Hello again, everyone. This is Dan Duva. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast presented by the D-Hotel. The Golden Knights have eyes on Friday and a matchup with the Kings back in game mode after a COVID hiatus. Three games postponed, now rescheduled for later in the season. Details on that and how the team is navigating league protocols, resuming practice, and returning to play. They'll do it without Alex Petrangelo on the COVID list and Braden McNabb on long-term IR. Who steps in and who steps up? We cover other aspects of the team's play so far this season and where they can improve. We've got your questions in the mailbag and lots more. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D-Hotel. And now, here's Dave. Dan Doovy, you sound like a guy that's ready to call a hockey game. You know, it's been a, it's not quite a week, but uh, getting there anyways. Um, or maybe it's the, the fourth espresso of the day. We're not really too Good sure. Day. But anyway, thanks very much, Dan. The Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast. I am Some Guy Named Dave, joined by Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, and Dan Duva. All right, guys. Well, it's, uh, you know, uncertain times we live in, and the Golden Knights have uh, had to deal with uh, some COVID issues here over the last week or so as we sit here right now. Taping on uh, Tuesday. They have been off the ice since uh, about a week now. Um, Shane, I guess maybe we'll start with you. They're, they're, it looks promising. Kelly McCrimmon said in a press avail yesterday they've had four straight days of all negative tests. Looks like they're good to go for this Friday against the Kings. But what's this little break for them going to be like? I mean, not a great time coming off no. two really good games. It's tough. It really is. And, and we've seen it around the league. There's other teams. Uh, you know, probably the the team that maybe surprised me the most, but maybe, and I was thinking about it, the Dallas Stars, right? They they, they missed at the beginning, and then they come out of it like a rocket ship. Um, you know, and I think because they were able to maybe have a little extra time, you know, understand. But when you break it in the middle, especially the Golden Knights coming off their two best, or two most complete games, they, they've still got better, but coming off their two most complete games where they looked like there was structure, they were they're understanding the systems. Uh, guys were talking about they're feeling more comfortable. Um, that last game against St. Louis, like, you can't generate any more offense than they did that game. You, you just can't. Like they were all over it. Sure, there's some things defensively that you know. I think that's the the slower part of the game. To, to really develop but uh, and then to have this break hit now after that it, it's you know you wonder okay you know hopefully they can get right back up to speed pick up where they left off but uh, you know I'm curious to see how that next first period is going to look and, and I think it's not going to take games like it did from the beginning of the year but it's going to take a certain amount of time or maybe they can click right away it, it'll be interesting to watch it uh, it's not an ideal time for it to happen but it's the reality, as you said, uh, certainly the circumstances of today's world, you've got to be able to adjust. You've got to be able to adapt. And uh, for the Golden Knights, we'll see what happens when they come out against L.A. Well, you mentioned, Shane, other teams have dealt with it. Dallas, Carolina, New Jersey now, Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo's more weather-related, but still, you know, the Devils played um, a game with six guys on the COVID list Sunday in Buffalo. Now they added another four, so they're shutting it down through the weekend. Gary, the other piece of it for Vegas is, you know, as public knowledge, the players on the list, not the coaches. But you've got Alex Petrangelo. It's 14 days for the player, right? That's the league protocol. Ten days of quarantine and then another four to recondition yourself. So he's going to miss the first couple of games back here. They're also going to be without Braden McNabb. So one of their top defense pairs, McNabb's going to be out, uh, looks like, for about three weeks. Uh, the effect of losing those two guys, and especially, you know, in the bigger picture, not having been on the ice now as a team for a week or so. Well, if there was one area that Vegas could afford to to lose a player or two, it's on the blue line, right? You know, Nick Holden will come off the taxi squad right away. And he, he you know... The, are him and McNabb interchangeable? I'm not sure, but I'll be honest. I'm really interested to see how Nick Holden plays. I, I think Nick's a pretty good skater and does a, a lot of good things. So I, that, that's not a loss, I don't believe. And, you know, it, Nick Hague has been excellent to start this season. So uh, I, I think they can weather that, stor that storm. Dylan Coughlin will probably get a look at the NHL uh, as, as a result of this. They're going to get some salary cap relief, which was, was much needed. They won't, you know, this, the, the LTIR 
from McNabb, that that relief will probably put them in a position where they don't have to worry about going 13 and five anymore. Uh, they can stick to to 12 and six. And uh, the Petrangelo part of it, uh, he's going to need time to get it to get adjusted to the players he's playing with and to the coaches he's playing with. So this is not this is not of benefit. I don't believe to Alex Petrangelo. That being said. Maybe the opportunity to watch his teammates from upstairs uh, a little bit can help him. And this is a smart and driven guy. I think he'll look on how to turn a disadvantage into an advantage. And uh, um, I think the best the, the best players and the best people in business and in all walks of life, that that's what they do. He'll look at it and say, okay, yeah, this is uh, – this. Uh, I've been Delta 7 here. Uh, how do I – how do I make 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 profit from this? And uh, and he'll look for ways to do that. Uh, as far as the differences in it, it's, I think it's pretty impressive how the NHL is handling all of this. And the fact that they didn't just sort of so they didn't cop out and say, you know, if you get one test, we're shutting you down. Or they look at every situation. They do a ton of research. They do contract t- tracing, and they figure out what is best. For that situation, I will say this: I don't think we're playing fifty-six. Uh, it, it seems to me like there is—we're not in the bubble anymore, where there were no positive tests. We're in the real world, and it seems you know the interaction between these guys is is such that you know the, the disease is is spreading and. Uh, I think that they've built a little bit of time at the end of the schedule. It won't surprise me if they have to trim trim a few games to the schedule from the regular season schedule. How does it work then? Are, do they go to points percentage again? Like kind of like no, I, I, I don't think that they. I think that they'll do a. Um, they'll if it's not fifty six, it'll be forty eight, and it'll be across the board. Um, some, something I'm of, surprised of that by nature. that, Gary. You really think they're going to cut eight games off no, a no, fifty-six-game schedule? I just use that number as an example, Dan. I don't know what the number would be, yeah. but I'm sure they have to have contingencies. I'm surprised by that. Tell me why. That surprises me because there is that week that Kelly McCrimmon was asked about uh, that the games that had been rescheduled were not for during that week. They were rescheduled for a period of time during the season rather than that postseason week. Yeah, no, I, uh, so that's fine in the Golden Knight situation. It just seems to me like every day we're canceled, they're, they're, they're postponing games. So at some point in time, like the water glass isn't full. It's not overflowing yet. I think it's going to overflow. And, and that's not doomsday. I just think that it's... Uh, I think it's kind of reality, and I think that the NHL has proven that they're that they are agile and they they do have contingency plans, and they will be able to adjust as we move forward. I could be completely wrong. Uh, you know, we, we might not get another game postponed all season. It could, the, the tap could get turned off tomorrow, and everything could be fine. I, You're never wrong. Well, no, just to, uh, <laughs> we've got a real short sample size of history, and yeah. it's. Showing that, you know, they, like they haven't canceled one game in Canada yet. They haven't postponed one game in Canada yet. So I, I'm just, uh, I, I'm, I'm open to the possibility of more change. Well, Dan, the thing I find a bit interesting too is that, it, you know, my wife asked me this question last night and I didn't have an answer for her. There's a lot of questions she asked me I don't have answers for. But That's a very was, open-ended, uh, I was yes. going to say, this is, uh, we don't have enough time on this. Did she ever say, why did I do this? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, she, I think, you pretty don't regularly. You for that. <laughs> no, I don't. Not at all. No. And nor does she. But um, was, how do they, you know, the Golden Knights had three games postponed, and now they're rescheduled, as we talked about. But why did they not play? They had one player on the list, but they did have the three coaches. And, Dan, that's the thing I find a little – it is case-by-case, case, to Gary's point. You know, Jersey played with six guys on that list Sunday. Then they added another four, and now it's 
and now things are, are wiped out for the weekend. So I, I, I guess that is just how they, you know, they have to give a, a feeling and a sense as to how, how dangerous it might be or not dangerous it might be. Yeah, there are protocols in place that I think you can probably fully grasp only if you are in the midst of them. And for those of us who are on the outside, it might be a little bit harder to understand exactly what they're going through. And the best that I can break it down, and I don't really know, but it seems that the NHL is not canceling games because of a lack of competitiveness, uh, not a competitive edge that is the result. That's not it. That's not the reason they're canceling games. It's postponement as a result of uncertain health risks. So I think maybe, Gary, you can expand on this, that for the Golden Knights, the situation is not only that a player is on the list, and if it was perhaps one player, if there hadn't been contact tracing and it's only Alex Petrangelo, maybe they would have played. The difference is, I'll use the term cross-pollination between the coaching staff and the players and the taxi squad, which is to say it's going around. So there's uncertainty rather than we've got the contact tracing down. We know exactly who is in contact with who. Therefore, everybody's safe. Therefore, we can play. That seems not to have been the case with the Golden Knights, whereas it might have been the case, I don't know, with some of the other teams that were allowed to play. And they're going to have to be able to deal with this, Gary, right? You know, it's just, it's the nature of the world we're in. We've been in it for 11 months now. And if you look at the numbers, they're terrible COVID numbers. But again, and it's not bubble life. You know, that's that's the huge part of this. As great as it was, you know, last summer and into the fall, this is this is what the NFL dealt with. This is what baseball dealt with last year. And now, you know, the NBA is dealing with it, too. Yeah, I also think that probably they're looking at what strain of COVID uh, is uh, has you know has invaded a, a dressing room and I don't have any information on that on Vegas but if it's one of the one of the newer strains that you know that that uh, that is more aggressive and that passes a lot easier I, I, that has to be a factor I, I just think that the medical people are in charge of this Kelly McCrimmon said yesterday that the NHL is using in the United States is using the same testing company for all 24 teams in the U.S. and that the test results go to the NHL at the same time that they go to the Golden Knights. So none of these decisions are being made in Vegas. They're all being made in New York City. And, you know, in, in conjunction, I'm sure that the league gives you know, gives options or, you know, or wants feedback and there's conversation. But at the end of the day, the medical people that are advising Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, they're making the decisions. Shane, have you ever been in the situation where the Golden Knights in their last game that they played before they had to postpone things for, for a week or so? Have you ever been in the situation where you come to the rink for a game and your coaching staff's completely different <laughs> than it was in the morning? No, I don't believe I have. Not since maybe minor hockey, maybe. Maybe one I mean, of you've gone through coaching changes. I get that, but this yeah. is a different yeah. deal. Yeah. You know? Minor hockey's different. Yeah, you know, the coaches <laughs> too, too long in the parents' room the night before. They had to get different parents to coach the next day. Uh, maybe <laughs> something like that. But uh, you know, when it comes to the NHL, I've never had to deal with it. Uh, the only thing I remember, I think the only thing I was Jacques Martin in Ottawa stepped aside so Roger Nelson, who was the assistant, could be head coach for that game to hit a certain number. Um, it's unique. It really is. It's a different voice behind the bench. Um, that said, you know, as players, you know, the game plan, you, you've played these teams, you know, your matchups, you know, uh, what you're going. The only thing is, you know, the difference on the bench, usually the coach, the D coach, uh, guy running the forwards or letting you know, who's up calling your guys. You know, obviously we saw two, uh, two, too many men, uh, penalties for the golden Knights. So a little bit of, of confusion and maybe miscommunication, but that's to be expected. That, that would be, you know, one of the things you miss having the regular staff behind the bench and the regular flow that they're used to. So, um, you know, it, it was unique, but at the same time, players adjust quickly. It's, it's still about going out and playing the game that they know they've, they've been working on their systems. Kelly McCrimmon's very, uh, in tune with everything his team's doing systematically and how they play, how he wants them to execute. So, um, I, you know, maybe because of the short time period, that certainly didn't help come to the rink and like, oh, here we go. Um, but at the same time, I think it, you know, it adds, uh, you know, as a player, as an athlete, you're always up for a little bit of a challenge. McCrimmon introduced 
the coaching staff to the players. Yeah. 90 minutes before they played. I know. He walked in with with M- Manny Viveros, Joel Ward, and Jamie Heward and said, hey, guys, uh, this is Manny, Joel, and uh, <laughs> and Jamie. They're coaching you tonight. Like, like that, <laughs> that, that is pretty bizarre. But but at the same time, you know, guy guys go with it. That that'd be a little bit yeah. of excitement. All right, well let's let's and they'll want to win for those guys because it's a unique moment. It's it's different. You, you get by whatever's going to be awkward, and you go out and, and, and try to enjoy the moment. Albeit they they played their best game of the year. I know it was in a shootout loss, but they met the coaches an hour and a half before the game, and they said, "Okay, we got it. We'll take it from here." And uh, and that's I think that is the other side of this coin, Dan. Is that Look, they were let's let's try to rewind the time. If they had played that game against the Blues last Thursday, then they were going to have their first little breather of the season, right? It was going to be the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three games, uh, three days without games. The other side of that coin is if you're playing as well as they had, especially their last couple of games, you want to keep playing and build on that. So to have everything kind of come to a halt for a week, um, you know, probably was not opportune time for them, even though you'd like a little breather in the schedule. Yeah. The, sorry, go ahead, Dad. I was going to say, Gary, especially given that the Blues had gone win-loss, win-loss throughout their schedule so far, and they were due to lose, and Marc-Andre Fleury was coming off a shutout, and Max Pacioretty coming off a hat-trick. You talk about the potential of a streak in a season with all these two-game sets that perhaps you're rolling into a rivalry series, a couple against the Sharks, a couple against the Kings. In a season when you're playing all these division rivals, I still think that the temperature gets highest against those traditional rivals like the Sharks and Kings, teams that the Golden Knights have postseason history with in the Pacific Division. I think it still ramps up when you see that jersey across the way. I guess we'll never know. Guys, what do you th- so they played seven games, uh, five, one and one so far as we sit. You look at this team and it, 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 it's a small sample, but, you know, it's a little bit of a sample. What do they need? Lawman, you look at this team and say, as they move down the road, they need something in this area or that area. Yeah, well, their power play has been dreadful. So I think that that's the uh, the, the first thing that kind of jumps out at you. But um, I, I, I'm, I, haven't, I don't think they've figured out what their third line is going to look like. And that, that needs to get solved because it needs to be – an advantage for them. It needs to be a plus for them. And they do have um, the personnel for that. And I think that Alex Tuck and and Nick Waugh are, are a couple of pieces that could, you know, be dominant. I think they need to find the right guy to, to play on that wing with them. And they got to figure out what they're going to do with Cody Glass because um, if they're going to play him, he needs to play. And if not, then he needs to go to Henderson. And uh, like Shane, can Cody Glass play on the wing for a while? Could he, could he, could that be a line? Cause, uh, cause right now for me, Nick Waugh is the better NHL center. Yeah. And so uh, yeah. Uh, he stays in the middle for me and Tuck is obviously an NHL winger. Can glass help out on the, on the wall? Cody glass needs to play hockey and get dominant again. Yeah. Where can he do that best? Yeah. And Henderson. And, and it's not that I, I don't think he could come in and do it at the NHL level. It's just, it's been such a long time period for him away from the game. The injury last year, that's what the American Hockey League is for. It's for guys not only to develop, but it's to get confidence, to feel good. Um, you know, he hasn't played a lot of pro hockey. Just hasn't. And uh, we, we know what it can do for players. Uh, you know, the fact is, you know, sure, he thought he could come in right away, but it doesn't always happen like that. You need a little bit of seasoning, a little bit, you know, time. So... But that also said, I don't, you know, who replaces it? You know, to me, the same, same conversation we had last year and it needs to get figured out. Is this a third line? Is it a third line or is it getting, you know, there's not much room. Is it, is it getting a, you know, a top two centerman? You look at the, the top teams, the depth down the middle and I think Chandler Stevenson's been great. I like the steps in his game and he looks good with Stone and Pacioretty. Carlson, I, I got all day for him every day. Um, but, you know, Nick was, he needs more offense to his game. I think it's there, but he's a guy that's, that's doing it. He's, he's got the defensive aspects of his game. Alex Tuck, we need to see Alex Tuck from what he did that last game, not the previous ones. Even though there was points in the previous ones, 
when he's big and straight lines and more bite to his game like we saw in the playoffs, that that elevates that line first and foremost because he just backs so many people off with that speed. Um, but yeah, just I guess I'm answering your question too, Dave. I, I agree with Gary. Yeah. It's that sorting out that third line, whether it's sorting out that or whether it's you know you sort it out by bringing down and getting someone big, but. That's not easy to do when you look at the cap situation. Well, and they have to be difference makers, right, guys? You know, that's the – and your, your point down the middle, Shane, you know, I think most people feel successful teams are built with strength down the middle from the goal out. You look at this trade that Winnipeg made, right, with getting Dubois. So their centers are Shifley, in no particular order, Shifley, Dubois, Stastny, and Lowry, correct? That's pretty good. You'd take that down the middle. So, yeah, I just, I think that that, if you're looking for them, you know, I think we all feel they're a contender, right? I mean, they've had points in, in six of the seven games they played, and, and especially coming off two really good games. But bigger picture, because we've had a little time here to wait for the next game, you know, that's an area, Dan, that was, a, it was an issue last year. Um, it's so far, it potentially could be an issue this year. And whether that is found, that answer is found from within or from outside, I guess that's to be determined between now and, and the trade deadline. I want to ask you guys this question. Based on the one single game where Kelly McCrimmon, the GM of the team, was behind the bench and presumably had a say in which lines went on and when and for how long, and I know they were trailing, but can we glean anything into the general manager's perception of individual players based on how often or how not often they might have been used in that game. I'm not sure. You know, they're down. They're trying to score. You, you, you shorten your bench. You know, you're not going to see Ryan Reeves out there a lot. And then I think he kind of rotated, you know, in. You even saw Will Carrier. You saw Nosek kind of move around. You know, Nick Hag didn't play. They're short in the back end as well. I was, I, uh, knowing Kelly McCrimmon and, and Gary knows him more than me, he wanted to win. <laughs> <laughs> that that was his judgment. Whatever it takes to win. Lawman? Well, I, I'm just trying to look at the ice time here, and uh, I'm not... Uh, Petrangelo played 29 minutes. Yeah. Again, I know it was an overtime game, yeah. and I know they were down. But, I mean, Petrangelo, Theodore, Martinez were the top three, but William Carlson was number four on the list, which is not a total surprise, given how often he's needed at both ends of the ice. But then McNabb, then Pancioretti, then Riley Smith, and Jonathan Marcheseau. Each of those players I just mentioned played over 20 minutes. Now, again, they're trailing, and it's an overtime game, but it's not too often you see that many forwards play over 20 minutes for the lion's share of Golden Knights history. And that you would have other players, like Keegan Colasar, playing only 541. And we've been accustomed to a low number of minutes for him because they've had 13 forwards and five defensemen, not in this particular game. And Nick Haig, playing less than eight minutes. We haven't seen too often when they've had six defensemen a number that low. Again, maybe I'm reading into this, reading into something too much that's not worth reading into, but it's not too often the GM goes behind the bench. And I thought, boy, I wonder if there's something we can learn what the GM thinks of how a player fits in a certain role and how much you can lean on a particular guy from the GM's point of view? I think a lot of it's a product of the game. So, you know, and yeah, that, that, that's deep thinking. Yeah, that's up in Dave's stratosphere right there. Uh, <laughs> that's but, you know, for me, depth. it's a product of the game. By the way, the in all of this, Mark Stone only played 18 minutes. Well, what I was going to say, Mark Stone... Mark Stone's had in the penalty box. For five minutes five with the minutes. fighting major so plus that, two with the minor. So that adds to those other guys yeah. and takes away from him. So that's another product of the game. Penalty kill. Alex Tuck only played 14 minutes and change. Just one game. I don't want to read too much into it. I just thought it was interesting because we're probably not going to have too many other glimpses into what the GM is thinking as the guy behind the bench. And we haven't seen any other games since, so we got no. nothing else to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder what that experience was like for, obviously, you know, it's been documented, you know, Kelly McCrimmon coached a long, long time in the Western League, but never behind the NHL bench. And then you've got Manny Viveros, Joel Ward, Jamie Heward that get thrown into this, right? They, we were talking about it on TV, Shane. They had yet to coach a game for the Silver Knights. 
And Joe all of a sudden, they're behind the coached Vegas. a game. They never coached. So I, I, I wonder, like... Uh, they still haven't coached it, a game for the Silver Knights. They still haven't. <laughs> and I wonder, you know, what's that saying about a duck? Like, above the water, it looks calm as can be, but all the work underwater, the legs are going a mile a minute. I wonder with them, like, if there was a part of that, that what's going on here? And it's not like they jumped in for a, a preseason game. This is a regular season game and a shortened season. And I, you know, you, you mentioned Shane was a couple of... You know, too many men on the ice, and I, I would imagine just a byproduct of you know miscommunication a little bit. But well, what a spot for those guys like. to be in. What's that? And some goals. We should mention that. We yeah, and, then, and that's the other part of it is you know I asked you earlier, what do they need? Well, I, you know, goaltending. They don't need no. goal, but do they get to a point? I know Pete DeBoer has said he'd like to ride this rotation as long as possible, but so far, Flurry has been the the better of the two in comparison to Leonard. Yes, and Robin Leonard, not a good game. The only thing I liked about it is he battled. They left him in, and he battled back. Like, he made some big saves. Uh, made one late, made one early. Um, but I still think they're, you know, he he's getting to his game still. I think Fleury got to his game quicker. And, you know, now this break comes. Who, who benefits from it? We'll, we'll see. You can't uh, throw out the fact that Robin Leonard had surgery this summer, right? And, yeah. and how he... How he, different guys return from surgery in different manners and at different paces. So, yeah. uh, way too know. early to assess. Exactly. Yeah. The sample size is, is quite small. And I couldn't help but wonder, and we said this on the radio, that if the regular coaching staff had been in place, might there have been a goaltending change? Yeah. And I believe, Gary, the phrase that I used on the radio was, it's kind of like you're visiting somebody else's house for the weekend. You don't rearrange the furniture if you're only going to be there for a few days. And I think if you're Kelly McCrimmon and the other guys, you don't want to step in and throw everything into chaos just to win a single game. You're going to go out with what they've had. And I suppose that's the thinking with why you'd leave Robin Leonard in there. You might pick through the desserts a little bit, Dan, at someone's house and go through oh, the liquor yeah. cabinet and grab some of the good stuff. But, you know, other I tried that. that at your house. There was nothing anything good there, Gosher. No, I was nothing say, good. Dave, Dave stayed at mine. I guess that's what happened to two the buck, liquor cabinet. Two yeah. buck Chuck, a case of two, Yep. We had uh, all the good stuff under lock and key. We're not the stupidest people. I, this in the world. has been a very serious podcast. I, I have to yeah. ask a couple questions here. Uh oh. Okay. Dan, did you move to New Hampshire or Vermont uh, during the break? No, why do you well, ask? For those that can't see, Dan's got a nice looking flannel, a plaid, or whatever. It's what a is. very nice Christmas gift. Thank you very much. Well, and and it's sh- nice that looks and like from L.L. Bean. You, you, you should be wearing it, but I'm just wondering if you split a cord of wood this morning. Oh, <laughs> it's cold here. Santa Claus is not going to be very happy with you, by the way. I believe it's uh, uh, Polo, Ralph Lauren. I like it, Dan. Don't Santa look Claus isn't going to be happy for me because I look like I'm trying to get his job. I've got the, the, yeah. the white beard and... Uh, and looking the, good. The, the black belt needs another hole in it. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, that's a sponsorship now for you. Get a Ralph Lauren situation on the radio for yourself. Oh, that'd be fantastic. You know, that's that's the way you do it. So, Gary, you interrupted the podcast for a uh, commentary on my fashion. For the shirt, I thought it'd for be the last question to be brought up yeah. in that regard on this podcast. <laughs> Holy cow, you're talking to the radio guy. People say, Dan, why do you even bother wearing a suit to the game? Nobody can see you. Dan, I did point. not say this, this, the shirt wasn't nice. As a matter of fact, I when I lived in Winnipeg, I had a number of those, but I left them there when I moved to Vegas. So I'm just, it's a, uh, I'm the sun is beaming in through your, uh, your the, the uh, Florida ceiling window at your palatial uh, penthouse and you are wearing flannel. Palatial. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. The shades are down, thank you. Dad, Dad is a well-dressed radio guy. I, oh, I yeah. work with one who has drastically improved yeah. since he moved I, over. Hey, David? I, I think uh, I had three wouldn't suits. Wouldn't everybody agree, uh, Dave, when he came in from year one to where I've gotten him to? Well, I'll tell you this quick little funny, Shane. You remember this. The first preseason game we did in Vancouver, well, you know, uh, 25 years ago now. And uh, I didn't even have any makeup. So literally before we're about to go out, I borrowed some of Shane's powder. That's how it works. That's how much I I knew about the TV world. I think I had three or four suits, six ties, four shirts. Now I have, uh, you know, just a cornucopia of clothes. On the subject of makeup, one of the, uh, someone looked over at uh, Shane and I yesterday. Shane was demonstrating me how to use 
demonstrated to me how to use the new makeup brush that arrived in the mail yesterday. And there was uh, a few of the people in the accounting department, they found it quite humorous that these two fellows uh, with beards, one that looks like Gerard Butler and one that looks like Santa Claus, as we've already discussed, <laughs> were trading makeup tips in the middle of the office. No shame. The only, there is no yeah. shame in our game. No. no I, and the only difference between Gary's brush to ours is his looks like a floor broom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gary, there was, I remember there was one of the lawless and orders on the road where there was a last minute touch up that needed to be done on, uh, on the, on your forehead. And I used some of mine, just dipped right in there. Yes. I think he just looked at the thing and said, yeah, so let me help you out. Here. No one's going to be able to see back in Vegas with the glare that's coming <laughs> off of that uh, chrome right. dome. Yeah. That's enough makeup talk. <laughs> Dandy. Well, here's it. And just one thought, Dan, on your shirt, which I like, yeah, is maybe this you. is a, this is a tip of the cap to your stop old stopping grounds that got hammered with snow the other day. Oof. Maybe that's what it is. You're you're into your winter mode now, knowing New Jersey, you get five feet of snow. That's right. And uh, down the shore a little bit less. We're in Vegas. I know. Yeah. Well, we live in Vegas. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, last check. I will it's be say. be sunny in 65 today. It's been fantastic to look out of these big windows you described, Gary, and see the snow fall on the mountains and the snow-capped Mount Charleston. That's pretty. When you don't have to drive in the snow, it's the best kind of snow. I love seeing the snow in the mountains, Dan. Couldn't agree with you more. I love that it's up there. I don't need this crap on the street. I don't need it. That's not what I'm looking for. Right. Not in any way. Right. You want to go skiing. You can go right. up into the mountains yeah, and enjoy. There no time. But down here, no snow on the roads. Thank you. Chain of the family are up there all the time. They're up at Lee Canyon getting it done. They have like pass out of what they do. It's incredible how much they're able to go up there and ski and it's uh, they enjoy it. Snowboard. That's what that's what those young snowboard. folk do. The snowboard, the youngsters. What are we going to see on Friday night, Gene? Uh, it's kind of like a reset. It's kind of, you know, that first game where you're wondering what you're going to see, how are the guys going to react? Like you got, they're going to have two practices after, you know, that amount of time off to get back up to game speed. It'll be interesting. And, you know, they're going up against the Kings, a team that's, you know, really, they, they, everybody picked them to be awful this year. And, you know, those teams aren't as awful. There's been some other surprises around. Ottawa's awful. Um, the Rangers, although they won last night, they've struggled. They've got their own issues, hopefully sorted out. But uh, uh, for the Golden Knights, yeah, I I think they're – but at the same time, there'll be excitement to get back, right? It's not fun to, to start the season and then have this happen. So, they're, you know, it's going to be a matter of how, how can they manage those, uh, those emotions, the excitement coming back, and then trying to, you know, at the same time get – back to the structure in their game um, because it was really starting to come. It wasn't where they want it yet, but it's certainly on the right track. And how quickly can they get back on the rails? We'll see. Yeah, two games coming up against the Kings Friday and then uh, Sunday afternoon before uh, there's a significant football game, I guess, later on. on Sunday. Yes, they'll need but, some saves. They're going to need the, the goalie is, uh, is can be a big factor in these type of games to give them some saves, you know, a little bit of cushion for some certain errors. Shane, you mentioned. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, David. I'm wondering when the team hits the ice again for an 11 a.m. practice, who will be coaching them? Do we know if there will be a partial regular staff, a substitute staff, and is it rectified in time for Friday's game? We've seen Derek Anklin step in nicely yeah. with the Silver Knights. Yeah, that's it. It will, 10 we'll, days, right? So it'll yeah. be kind of, uh, yeah, we'll just sort of see who. Uh, Who's out there? Because the coaches that have been in uh, have been in protocol, COVID protocol. So uh, we'll just sort of see how that all how that all unfolds. Yeah, and the Henderson guys had been in protocol too for a while, right? So it looks like they're good to go with their team now. With the Henderson staff, rather than being behind the bench for the preseason games, they were watching from the stands. So Derek Anglin and Patrick Brown, who's a player on the Silver Knights, put on the suit for the first preseason game. Just important to note that unlike the players where there is a list of who's in COVID protocol, there is not a list for staff of any kind. So we don't know. We'll wait and see who's on the ice Wednesday and eventually on Friday. And we should mention pretty exciting the, the, the Silver Knights home opener on Saturday. Yep, going to be on radio and on stuff. the TV sets and on the TV sets. Yes, Saturday, exactly. Right? Yeah, on the, mm -hmm. the NBC station here, so that'll be uh, that'll be a lot of fun. It's the Ontario Rain, the LA Kings affiliate, for the first couple of games, February sixth and February eighth, and we'll hear Brian McCormick, new addition to the VGK broadcast family. 
So I'm excited not only to hear him on the radio, as we did for the preseason games, but also to see him on TV. You know what, Dan? He's just waiting in the wings to take us uh, out. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Uh, yeah. He's going to take over here in the not-too-distant right. future, maybe by the weekend. The depth is key. Yeah, the depth. Yes. The depth in the organization. Uh, all right, we're going to get to some mailbag questions in a couple seconds. But, Shane, you mentioned surprises. I just want to kind of go around the horn real quick, and we can start with uh, the lawman. So we're now, well, not quite a month, three weeks-ish, three and a half weeks into the season. What surprises you as you look around the league? What comes top of mind to you? The lack of attention to defensive detail in the Canadian division. It is Let's just score. It's fun. It's very you fun. swear it's 1986. It's, it, it really is. Like, no one is. There's a bunch of young players and a bunch of young stars up there. And the, 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 the viewing in Canada, because every night is, you know, it's Toronto and Montreal, Winnipeg and Toronto, or, you know, Vancouver and, and Ottawa, Calgary and Edmonton. There are, there are important rivalry historic games every night. So there's a ton of people watching and the players all want to shine. Like there's, there just is very little care about uh, winning one, nothing. It is. I want to score. We want to win, but I want to score. And if we win six, five, I'm good with that. I'm sure the coaches are pulling out their hair. No lead is safe. And uh, as Shane said, it's fun to watch for sure. Coaches are all going to look like you. <laughs> Shane, what do you well, think? My first comment will be on that Canadian division. And I think Gary and I said it and to watch it uh, on one of these podcasts earlier. Tell you what, and the one team that can defend it, the Montreal Canadiens yeah. are dangerous. They've got six shorthanded goals already. I heard uh, last night, Shane, they said, they well, they've got more shorthanded yeah. goals than Vegas has power play goals, but they got not six alone. shorthanded teams, goals, right? but they are yeah. deep. They are fast. They are structured and, and they got, they've got a good defense. They got Shea Weber, Jeff Petrie, Joel Edmondson was a great pickup. Ben Sherratt, they've got guys and then they've got Kerry Price and Jake Allen. So they, they've gotten better there. And then up front, uh, they've got a ton of speed. They play smart. Um, the weakest division to me looks like the central. What's with the Nashville Predators? Can't defend, right? They just got just, smoked again just, by Tampa a couple of games. Like yeah. the Predators, to me, you know, just junk. Florida Panthers, a bit of surprise. With the, but, you know, that we'll see how long. The other, what is it, the Mass Mutual? What, what's that division over there? I don't that's know. That's strength. Yeah. You got Boston. Those, that, like, that's, yeah. that's, to me, that's the top division right now. That is a grind out there. Uh, with what's going Philadelphia, on. Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia has been good. Pittsburgh, you know, is always around. It, it it is tough out there. And then, you know, I look at division. I I still think it we're we're trending. You know, I think the Wild. Uh, you know, they're a different team. Uh, they got a little more excitement. This Kaprizov is uh, looks like the real deal, an exciting player to have there, which the Wild need. Colorado Avalanche to me are still very very dangerous. Grubauer, where I thought. Their goaltending might not be the difference. He, he's been phenomenal. I think he's got like a 930 here to start the season. So, And Kale McCarr's picked up right where he left off after uh, rookie of the year last year. 50 points in 57 games. He's already, what, 11 points in 10 games. And I think Brandon Saad was a great pickup. So the Avalanche are, are still dangerous to me. That's To me, that's, that's, the, that's the hump. That's the mountain. The Golden Knights, if they want to get to where they want to go, that's the one they're going to have to cross. Yeah, and for me, just real quick to add on, the two teams that surprised me the most, one most one positive, one negative, would be Florida. You know, I think if you if you told me before the season, three weeks in, the only team without a regulation loss would be the Florida Panthers, uh, I'd tell you, you're crazy. Now, they've, they played six games. They kind of get hit with some of this COVID stuff, too, with some games postponed. But And i tell you the team that surprised me that, and, you know, their coach had some pretty interesting comments after one of their most recent losses, the New York Islanders. Yeah. They just seem to not, especially for Barry Trotz team, defensively, the chances they've been giving up, the goals they've been giving up, something's off there. Hard um, to play like that for surprises a long, me. Hard to play like that forever, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, it's uh, it's one thing to, to, to play like that and get results, but to play that style for a long time, Shane had to do it for, uh, for too long in Ottawa, I think. Eventually, the players rebel a bit, don't they, Shane? 
Uh, as a defenseman, I didn't mind. It was yeah. easy because you had your forward supporting. Uh, better than playing for the Edmonton Oilers as a defenseman right now, or the Ottawa Senators. But, yeah, no, I know what you mean. It, it's, a, it's a tough, grinding way to play. You know, one thing off the ice that has been a surprise, I think a, a shock to the entire hockey world, is Jim Rutherford stepping down in Pittsburgh in the middle of the season. Well, not even in the middle of the season, a week or two into it. Not health-related, not scandal, not performance. Just decided he didn't want to be there anymore, basically. Any word, Gary, on what the story is and what they're going to do? No, but like I, I do think you need to look at the fact that he's 70 years old and won three Stanley Cups. And I and I don't think the his work life was not fun. He was not enjoying COVID. He was very careful about it, doing a lot of things from home. And uh, maybe he realized that that being at home and that experience um, was worthwhile and, and and rewarding in a different way. And he wanted to invest. Uh, um, and Jim Rutherford's got, I'm sure, is uh, home and cooled out where the financially, I, I would imagine that this would be, maybe this is just a lifestyle choice. You know, I'm going to spend more time with my family. Interesting to see who ends up getting that gig. They, they, the report recently, there's like 30 names that were being kicked around. That'll get, obviously, they'll whittle it down. But boy, what a, it's a pretty good gig. To me, the really interesting thing is now is if I'm Mario Lemieux, I've lost Bill Guerin, Jason Botterill and Tom Fitzgerald to, to to other teams. So I would not be shy about picking up the phone and calling other owners and saying, I'd like permission to speak to your general manager. And e- even in the middle of a season, like you think about that, normally that is not sort of acceptable pool, but uh, you'll recall when Ken Holland was kind of, you know, had, had that brain trust in Detroit. And there were always guys were, were always getting plucked off. Iserman to, and, and Verbeek ended up in, uh, in Tampa. Jim Nill in Dallas. And I'm missing somebody else, but there was like that constant brain drain in, in Detroit and Pittsburgh just went through it. So, uh, we know they've already, they've already asked for permission to talk to Tom Fitzgerald and he's got a weird deal. He's a GM in, in New Jersey, but only, I think his contract is for a number of years, but the portion of it where he's the GM is only one year, which so, um, and I think they did that because they were planning on bringing John Chaik in there at, at one point in time. So they, they kind of fooled around with, uh, with the contracts there. So I think it'll be fascinating to, uh, and we'll find out what they want to do because if they want to tear down and rebuild, Ron Hextall would, would, would to me would be the guy. Remember when he got to Philly, they were in 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 cap hell, and he got them out of it. And that roster in Philly, his fingerprints are all over that one. Uh, so I just I, can Mario and Ron Hextall work together? That would be the you know they were pretty big <laughs> rivals at one point in time. Well, a lot of intrigue and a lot of interest the first uh, three-plus weeks of this season. All right, Dan, let's wrap things up here. Just a couple from the mailbag. What do you got? We've answered a number of questions already today during the podcast. So if your name isn't mentioned here, that's okay. We still got your question earlier on in the show. But it is a question that we mentioned. I'm not sure if we really dove into it. Kick asks on Facebook, how do we improve the power play? That is the biggest concern. I think it's uh, execution is still a little bit of familiarity with one another. You've got certainly they've got the personnel. They have the personnel. You watch you watch good power plays now, though, the movement. And I think that's something Steve Spott told all of us who has a you know big hand in the power play is he encourages movement. And that's not only puck movement, that's player movement. Uh, the rotation power plays are, or penalty kills, excuse me, are so aggressive. Now you first have to be able to move that puck quick and you have to change positions. You have to rotate in and out. You have to find holes. Um, and then at times I think they need to simplify. I think they look too much for that play. I think you've got to simplify, get a couple of shots. Then that opens up some seams and some other plays. So it's a lot to do with confidence and a lot to do with still them, you know, getting in sync with one another. Now for me, it's all about the entry, the zone entry. The, the just so many nights, it's just like they get to that, uh, they, that offensive blue line and they don't have a plan, or I'm sure they do have a plan, but it looks like they don't. And the puck gets turned around too often for me. Uh, they need to solve the zone entry. 
Guys, we heard that St. Louis will become the fifth team in the NHL to welcome a limited number of fans into their arena. So Kevin asks, do we have any idea when fans will be allowed to see games in T-Mobile Arena, or is that idea totally scratched for this season? Oh, I, I, I don't think it's scratched by... Sorry, Dave, I, you, if you have something here... No, no, I, no, I was going to say that. Yeah. I don't think it's scratched at no, all. Like, you no. know, we conversations we've had with people, they've got it all kind of, you know, yeah. right, this is what 20% looks like. 25% looks like and, and so on. I, I think they've put a ton of work into that. Yeah. It's just a question of, is it going to be allowed, you know, uh, you know, by, by the local government? Yeah, they're and, working with know, the governor they and, and they, yeah. they want to give him a, a solution that, that works for him. He's uh, like, it, it's a, it, it, being a politician, I, I think being the governor right now in the, in the throes of a pandemic, that's one of the worst jobs on the planet. And he's got lots to worry about. Um, and uh, this guy's been a big supporter of the Golden Knights. I think he just, I think everyone wants to do what's right on a health basis. So um, well, I'm hopeful. I, 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 cause I will I'm say, hopeful. I will say this. If they give Kerry Bubolts and Todd Pollock a chance to put to put people in that building and keep them safe, they'll do a fan. They will do a fantastic job. That that they will the, the masks, the social distancing, everything, the egress, the ingress, everything that goes into that. These guys, they will they will do a tremendous job at at trying to make it safe and executing to the to the that plan will be buttoned up and they will execute execute right to it. I can I can guarantee you that. It's in, you know, we've all gone through this guys now with the home games, right? And the road games, but more specifically the home games that are being played right in front of you as opposed to the during the bubble where it was everything was remote. To be in that building calling games and have it be right down on the ice in front of you and not have a soul in the building is one of the most screwed experiences. In addition to me being very cold for the games, I get very I'm chilly during the contest. Uh, it is, God, is it weird. It's, I, it's hard to even describe how strange that is, especially in that building. There's a question here, guys, from Garrett with regard to the rescheduled games. And I'm going to give you the dates of the rescheduled games here as well. So the Golden Knights, as we know, three games were knocked off the schedule. St. Louis and then the two against San Jose. The game against St. Louis, which was on the 28th of January, now is March 22nd. The games against San Jose, which were going to be in Glendale, Arizona, are now in San Jose. One of them will be February 13th. The other will be on February 25th. In addition, to accommodate those changes, a Vegas game in Anaheim that was on February 26th is now on April 23rd. If you followed any of that, God bless you. Point is... They did not put games at the end of the season. They put games in the middle of the season and adjusted the schedule. They didn't just plop them into open dates. They moved a couple of other things around with other teams. So the question is, from Garrett on Facebook, did the rescheduled games hurt the Knights as the compressed schedule has become more compressed? Or is it advantageous to the Knights to stay in the groove of playing with minimal days in between? And then theoretically not have more games on at the end. I don't think we can answer it. You got to wait and see. The answer to that rust versus rest or whatever you want to call it, the, the answer to that always comes at the end <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's a, Jane's right. It's a guess. And then if they go five and one in those games, well, it was great. What a, what a stroke of luck. What a stroke of genius. Yeah. If they go one and five, that damn schedule maker, he should be fired. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, Guys want it, Shane, like, guys get tired of practice. Do yeah. they not? They want to play games. Well, and, and, and you know what this season is about? They, well, yeah, they, but the, the, the point is they didn't, there's no three and threes. They're able to space it out. Not, you know, it, it, to me, the way they were able to reschedule and plunk and turn these things around pretty quickly didn't, didn't really do much to it. They, they had some days in there and, and they found days to make it work. It should be noted, you, the four guys on this podcast all started at, I started in the Colonial Hockey League. Shane, Dave, and Dan in the East Coast Hockey League all spent time in uh, the American League. Shane and, the, uh, and, and myself in the IHL as well. Like, the, the scheduling that we've seen, uh, you know, the, the, this is still, uh, uh, 
it, it's hard to complain or or look at this schedule and, and call it onerous after our, or minimal our travel. origins, right? No travel, right? Yeah. No 10-hour bus trips. Yeah. No. Friday game at home, Saturday on the road, Sunday afternoon at 2. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Forget it. Yeah. Two more. One hockey-related, quick one. And then one non-hockey one to wrap it up, guys. A lot of folks are asking about Petrangelo's absence, McNabb's absence. So with those two guys out Friday, what do the three pairs look like? Who are the six defensemen in the lineup come Friday? Best guess. Jane, this is all you. Yeah. Hag, White, Cloud, uh, Martinez and Theodore, and Holden and Coughlin. Everybody in agreement with that? I like that. Yeah, could you um, could you text Pete just to let no, him know just, that? No, just yeah. Nick Holden okay. had such an effect with yeah. uh, White Cloud. I think yeah, I think like it makes a lot of Coughlin. sense. Yeah, like it. And Nick Holden was going to make his season debut in what was going to be the second game against St. Louis, anyhow. And then the last one, yeah. and this one is specifically for you, Dave. Oh boy, this question is from Alec. For some guy named Dave, what is your favorite restaurant in Rhode Island? Oh, oh. in Rhode Island. Oh, man. Well, Joe's uh, there's Bar a place on by Main the, Street in Pawtucket. <laughs> Joe's Bar Grill in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. That's a pretty good pub, to say the least. I would say the best restaurant for me is a place called the Matunic Oyster Bar, which is down in East Matunic, right near... Um, little beach house that I spent a little time at. So it's, uh, it's awesome. You can walk there. Um, the ocean mist, it might be my favorite bar in Rhode Island. Cause that's, that's one of those no frills bars, waves washing right under the deck. But in terms of restaurant, the Matuna Oyster Bar is pretty awesome. Well, Dave, your favorite bar is the next one. And Dan, you yep, missed, thank you. you missed one question. This is from, uh, Bill in Vermont. When log splitting, do you use a elect, a, a gas fired splitter or are you old fashioned and do you use a, a accent mall? <laughs> I delegate. <laughs> I delegate. Get out there and split that wood. Supervise. That's great. I, I, Dan, I could just see you with an axe. Like that. <laughs> I can. Like Paul Bunyan. Next time there. Dan and Daniel I are in Boone. The, next time we're in the radio booth together, he'll have an axe. <laughs> Uh that's all from the mailbag today dave all right dan i I, look i love the shirt i'm gonna go have some flapjacks for breakfast with my paul bunyan looking shirt here thank you went out and drew your own maple syrup out of the tree (laughs) this is perfect you know that's great all right guys dan i love the shirt i hope you wear it for the game on friday That'll do it for us. The Sheriff Lawless Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Uh, Be psyched to get the Golden Knights going back up again here Friday against the LA Kings. Watch us on TV. Listen on the radio. We'll talk to you next time at SLGND.